Welcome to Beer Massive, a collection of good beer-centric conversation, interviews, editorials, reviews, and more from a collective of centrally like-minded yet individually opinionated good beer fanatics. From podcasts born in the present, or from our massive library of brewer interviews from years past, we hope you enjoy what you hear. If you do enjoy what you hear, please subscribe. Feel free to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on tap, at Massive Beers, or email us individually at massivebeers at gmail.com. What did you bring up? So I brought up Contact High Pale Ale. I brought up Cream Ale. And I brought up Big Dipper. Big Dipper. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite out of those bunch? Contact High. Yeah. Yes, I really like that beer. So it's probably one of my favorite. Um, it's probably my favorite one you guys do in the more kind of slightly hazy hoppy variety. Thank you. You know, and and it also combines a love of my life, which is stuff that isn't like wake up in a dumpster kind of ABV. Yeah. You know what is it? Five three. Five seven. Five seven. I mean, a little still? higher than anticipated, but not. What crazy. were you shooting for? Five five. Five five. Yeah, always coming in a little better, come a little high and a little low. <laughs> no one's complaining, so. <laughs> I mean, the inspiration behind that, I wanted to drink those hazy, juicy beers, but I wanted to have more than one. Yeah. So we were just like, paleo, why not? Other people do it, just not as often. Yeah. There's some people that do the super low ABV stuff, but it's just, it's just I mean, we'll probably get in all that, but it's a little bit easier to kind of do some things and stuff at the higher ABVs and, and get what you want to get across mm-hmm. to the to the, to the masses, well, if you, you will. justify the price point, too, for oh, some yeah, of yeah. these breweries. When it's 8%, and you can sell it for $18 a four-pack. Yeah, there's some breweries out there that, um, you know, um, I've seen some really breweries I really dig there. You know, I saw 4.5% pale ale from New York Brewery that I'm a really big fan of. Uh, it was $18 for a four-pack. Yeah. Well, that's tired hands. They do like the dry hop, like D2H3, and then they change the hop up. It's like hop hands with a different hop. Yeah. I think that was $18. It's like 5.2%. But it's like, how can you fault them? You know what I mean? No, they're, they're, I get they're it. It's still going to sell out. Oh, I'm not saying you. I mean, yeah. you, the people as a whole. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can complain all you want about price point, but they sell it. If, if, the, if, if you know, there's 19 char- chairs in Ardmore and it's, it's going away, you know what I mean? What are you mm-hmm. going to do? You know? It's still good beer. Yeah. I liked it. This iteration with the mosaic, it's good. Um, so yeah, I guess we should do a little bit of a prerequisite. Uh, who are we talking to? We're talking to CJ. Is it Penzone? Yes, okay. Penzone. I don't know a lot. Of, I've known you quite a bit, but I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. Uh, from um, from where are you from? I know you're from Walnut Creek. Okay, that's where we are. But where are you from? Born in Scranton, Carbondale area. Raised in the Lehigh Valley down in Allentown. So I grew up in Allentown. That's where I spent most of my life. But my family's from up here, not too far from the lake. Um, and and uh, now you're brewing, like I said, we're here at Walpom Pack Brewing Company, which is, is this considered Holly? Yes. We're in? Just on the outside limits yeah. of Holly. So a lot, a lot of your people out there actually probably know Lake Pack, especially if you listen and you're from the tri-state area. It's a pretty big vacation spot. But um, So it kind of comes full circle. I mean, mm-hmm. when did you move away from the Scranton Carbondale area. When I was young, like four, five, okay. about. So. But your family kind of, some of them, I assume, retreated back to this area over time. Most of them all stayed up here. So it was just me and my dad that moved. Oh, okay. Down there. Fair and enough. Everybody else was still up here. 
Okay. And, um, and you end up coming to Wampaw Peck Brewing. We'll get to your past. Uh, but was that a big decision on you coming here? Like that you had roots here that you could kind of be with? That was kind of like the final tipping point. It was mm -hmm. nice. I wasn't just going to a strange area. Yeah. Because you know, it was a big move going from assistant brewer at Trogues to head brewer at a brand new facility. So the fact that I was coming up in an area I'm familiar with, surrounded by some people that I know, um, it, was, it was nice. It helped it along. Yeah, no, I mean, when you, you know, you make it to the big leagues, you know, basketball or NFL or whatever, if you play in your home, in front of your hometown crowd, it tends to be a little bit more comfortable. So it kind of makes sense if you come back here. Now, uh, you said you're kind of um, a brewer up at Trogues, but you, where did you get your start? Started um, at Fegley's. Which um, is, you know, I, well, now it's Allentown and Bethlehem, but at that point, were you in Allentown or Bethlehem? I know I was, it originally started in Bethlehem, it correct? Was, it was originally in Bethlehem. I started in Allentown, but eventually worked in both locations. Okay. Um, by the time I left. What were you doing there when you started off? Were you washing dishes, busting tables? Everything. I mean, I started, I was, boy, 19. And I know not that long ago. Uh, you know, <laughs> for, I haven't mentioned yet, he's 23 years old. So he, he's still a baby, but go ahead. Um, yeah, I was 19. I was waiting tables there for a while. And, you know, it was cool. I was enjoying learning beer. Um, but I got tired of waiting tables. I kept seeing the brewers, you know, doing their thing every day. And, I really wanted to be a part of that, so I begged. Uh, it was Bo Baden at the time, who's now okay. the brewmaster at SBC. SBC Susquehanna Brewing Company. So he was my first boss at the brewery. I kept begging him, and he kept trying to tell me, "Don't do it! Don't do it!" You know, yeah. both because he wanted to know if you were real, and two because Correct. he didn't want you to do it. Because it might have been both. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> you like, get oh. into that world, you live that life. It, it gets a little bit. It's kind of like a, a you know drug drug addiction. You know. Yep, but I broke through. And he eventually told me, okay, you want it? $9 an hour, be here at 5 in the morning, and you're just taking bottles off the bottling line. And I was like, great, awesome. Yeah. Living the dream already. Yep. So, did, When you got your job at Feckley's, was that, was your, did you already want to make beer at that point? Or was no. it, you had no idea, you just got it as a job? Yeah, no, I, I was working at a fine dining restaurant down the street, uh, but they were going under, so I just looked down the street I was like oh Fegley's cool you know I've been there before my dad loved it there um, he always drank their amber lager so I was like whatever I'll get a job I need one so and I fell in love with kind of the idea of brewing but I was still so young I didn't quite know if I would enjoy it or not so so when you actually stepped into the process of brewing like how old were you like when you actually started like legitimately like getting your hands dirty 20 and then, like, uh, where did you go from, from there inside Fegley's? Like, did you start as just, like, a, just a, you know, whipping boy brewer to uh, so, what level? So what happened was I worked on the bottling line, and I actually quit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quit because I didn't like the job. Something I'd been working mm -hmm. on for a while came up, and it was only, okay. a, like, a 12-week, 14-week thing. So I told him I had to do it, came back after, um, started back on the bottling line, Gradually started doing kegging, cleaning, helping with the brews. Um, by the springtime, I was brewing, not totally independently, but I was brewing. And this is when? Uh, boy, it's 2018 now, so early spring 2016. Okay. Like February, March. Yeah, so long ago. I know. Was it like 8-track tapes and, and, <laughs> and Betamax, right? 
Exactly. Okay, guys. What are those? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, think you are, but go ahead. <laughs> um, but then shortly after that, Bo left for SBC. And yeah. then Matty Eck, uh, formerly of Soul and Funk, mm-hmm. he's now down in Virginia Brewing. Strange he Ways, also yeah. left. Yeah, he's at Strange Ways. So I quickly had to jump into this full-on brewing role. Okay. So I didn't have time. It was like, all right, go. You know, <laughs> hopefully you learned enough. Trial by fire. Yes. But, I mean, I think that was the best way to do it because you had no chance. Or you had chances, but you had no choice but to, like, yeah, if you, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't get a second to look around and see how crazy shit is, you just do it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and there's positive and negatives to, to doing that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, But I, I would say more positive, especially if you come through it. Again, the trial by fire is kind of you know an adage. But, you, you know, if you do get through it, then, you know, it, it just makes it that much. I wouldn't say easier, but that much more of a, a learned experience. Well, it taught me how to work. No. You know, I was only 21. Yeah. Well, most 21-year-olds don't have that work ethic. Not saying all, but, yeah. you know, first working for Bo and then being thrust into that role, you just, you have to step up, so. And how long were you there uh, at Fegley's before you decided to, uh, to take I off? I was at Fegley's from the time I started serving until the time I left. I was there for almost two years, like a year and a half around there, and then I... You know, I was thrust in that role, and I was really liking it. But I was getting to the point where I needed to start making a living wage. Um, yeah. You know, brewing industry is tough. You got to pay your dues. Yeah. And I saw an opening over at Trobes for. In fact, is, I mean, even though they do distribute and stuff, they are, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a smaller. Yeah. You know what I mean? A brewery. Yeah. Did you have any hands in creating anything there, or was it more just production level stuff? Well, I started doing recipes right before I left. I think I only got. I had say in some of them, and then one of my own recipes got out right before I left. Okay. So I did. So at least you slipped one past the goalie before you got out. Yeah. I did, and it was awesome. <laughs> what was that? It was a mango Belgian beer. It was just a session of old, okay. like, 5% ABV. Uh, you know, we used real mangoes. So you used the mangoes to bring up more, like, fruity esters in, yeah. in the beer? Yeah, it wasn't like over that. the top. It wasn't, like, a sweet, fruity yeah. beer. It was just meant to complement those esters. Um, it was actually a homebrew I did. And Bo liked it, so he told me to brew it. And then you're, you're at that at that point. In Fegley's is what barrel wise? At that point, we were still doing four to five thousand barrels a year. But uh, like brew house capacity for fifteen barrel brew 15 house. Fifteen barrel. And we were doing yeah. And then you moved to Troggs, which is what like eight thousand barrel. Or something it was a like hundred barrel brew house, <laughs> and then we did the year I worked there. I think we did eighty-seven thousand barrels. Um, so you go to Trogues. Yes. I mean, uh, you know, f- one of the staple breweries, I would say, in the country. Not, j- I mean, we, we're a little bit biased in PA. We see them mm-hmm. as, a, as a bit bigger. But, I mean, as far as what they do and whatever, they've been ingrained. I mean, they're that second tier. Not, I don't, shouldn't use second tier. That second wave after your, you know, your Sierra Nevadas and, and whatever. But they're very kind of influential, especially in the Pennsylvania craft beer scene, whether it be Victory and Trogues and all those big boys. You end up going there. Um, what's the transition like from going from 15 barrels to you're you're just you're just cranking it out? I assume you're just like you almost took went back to serving tables to a point when it comes to being a brewer. It was strange because at Fegley's everything's hands on and you're doing like nine mm-hmm. things at once, and you're working next to the tap room, so you got to be conscious. So like I got to be done with this part of my job before the restaurant opens, and 
you know, you're working in really tight quarters. You go to Trogues and, you know, there's a lot going on, but there's only three or four people on a shift because a lot of it's automated. Mm-hmm. Now, automation doesn't mean you're not working just as hard. Yeah. It's just different because that meant then there was, I think, what, five or six brews going on at any point. So if you were on the brew house, you were you had five or six things you're happening. Hustling. You're, you're working hustling. smarter and quicker, not as hard. Correct. It, but it's, as, it's equally as stressful. Correct. Equally as intense. Correct. And they have very high standards there for good reason. So, yeah. you know, and, and also it's, it's a bigger risk. If you screw up there, I mean, those tanks are huge. Yeah. You know, they had 800 barrel fermenters. You messed that up. I mean, that's, wow. yeah. it's serious, you know, so. And how long were you at Trogues for? I started at Trogues in August of 2016. And I actually was gone end of March 2017. I did not do a huge stint there. Um, I was planning on staying there a long time, but, but this came up. Life gets in the way, or it gets, I shouldn't say gets in the way. Yeah, things happen. Presents opportunities. Yeah. Um, and then at that point, like, you just, like, what, just checking for a brewer, or just somebody? No, ch- like- so I'll back up a little bit. I wasn't really looking for a job. I, I, I was loving it at Trugs. I was learning a lot. Yeah. They were a great crew. Um, you know, we were working all parts of the brewery lab included so you know it was great my old co-worker Matty Eck who we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. was helping consult for Wall and Pop Pack and he knew they were looking for a brewer so I threw my name into the hat and interviewed for the job and here we are now take us to that point when you interview for the job up here like you know you go from Fegley's which is about I would say about as entrenched and as keystone of a brewery as you could possibly find inside of town. Like, I mean, Fegley's is literally, if that went down, the downtown of Bethlehem might suffer quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, where in Trogues is, I wouldn't say it called a staple of Hershey, because what, where were they? They were originally in Harrisburg. They were Harrisburg. They moved to Hershey, but they're so big at this point, they're their own entity, to going and f- in interviewing and in, in, in prospectively going into a brewer of your own place of this size a 20 barrel brew house by yourself in an area that is essentially devoid of all self-produced beer sure you know you get you drive a half an hour away you can see a little bit of stuff here and there but pretty much you're on your own like what's uh, walk us through that mindset of being like okay i want to work there but at the same time you're taking a big risk not just I mean, you're not taking a big risk as far as your life in, as a brewer because you could bounce back if mm-hmm. you wanted to, but just to throw your hat in a ring of that kind of craziness, what's it like? It was daunting. I, I can't lie to you. Um, you know, also means when you're 22, you're allowed to do such I things. I was 21 when I applied for the job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I don't think they knew that either. Yeah, um, that's okay. They which is fine. They can't ask that uh, legally. They shouldn't either. Yeah. It because didn't matter. They, you go yeah. based off of merit. I mean, Correct. it shouldn't matter how old you are. I know people that are 60-year-old that suck at what they do. You know? Yeah. It doesn't, age doesn't dictate. But, go um, ahead. but, yeah, I mean, it was on, you know, on a po- more positive side of that thinking was, wow, I'm going into an area that's not so tough on craft beer, or maybe it is, but it's not so saturated. You know, I have a little bit of a blanket there, a cushion to get started. So that was one comforting factor, but... The daunting thing was, well, there's no one around me, so, you know, anybody help, I have to call, and they're down in Lehigh Valley. It's not like they're just going to be knocking on the door yeah. every day. Hey, man, how you doing? Um, 
And I also didn't have too extensive a recipe book, so I had to really work hard in the months before we opened to figure that out um, and try and read the market going in blind because, like you said, there's not much up here. So, you know, we had no idea what people were going to take to in this area. We had a good idea, but... You don't know. There was no one proving that. You know what I mean? So... And you end up deciding on the kind of 20-barrel brew house. You were the owners. Um, Like, did you have any input on the system at all? A little bit. So I came in right towards the end of those decisions. Um, What was presented to me is that they, and this is still the plan, um, you know, in five, six, seven years, they want to be a staple brewery in Pennsylvania bordering counties of New York and New Jersey, northern Jersey. Mm-hmm. There's a pretty large void in these areas. I mean, it's shrinking yeah. by, the, you know, by the year. But uh, they figured we come in, we build, don't go crazy. Like, it's not a 50-barrel brew house. Build a 20-barrel brew house, set up a pub to help us year-round. But if we can fill that void with beer, 20-barrel brew house is the sweet spot. And they wanted to brew lagers, you know, wheat beers, hazy beers, you name it. So I was able to help them, because I worked at Trogues, help kind of cater to the system to brew all types of styles. And rewind a little bit, you were talking about, <clears throat> like, writing recipes. How is it, what's it like to write a recipe for a system you've never been on? I mean, like, to sit there, that's what I mean. It's like saying, hey, playing out this, this course on this racetrack without ever jumping into the car. I mean, like, I homebrewed some of the batches but I mean honestly that really didn't tell me much about what was going to happen the first few beers we brewed um, are things I was pretty confident in Uh, recipes I felt were you know there was going to be some leeway in from what my vision was to what's going to happen on that brew house but I planned for that so I knew that okay these beers aren't going to be exactly what we set out to be but I'm pretty confident that we will at least make a you know clean drinkable beer so you're going for a single or a stand-up double you know you're not trying to hit home run nope nothing wrong with that still working on that (laughs) it takes a long time but yeah um but i mean it kind of flipped to the other end of the spectrum which is what you touched on already which is you go and you start formulating recipes um you get in the brew house um you start brewing but even before that you have someone that approaches you in this day and age and wants to do wheat beers they want to do lagers they want to do clean beers along with the newer stuff too it's not a matter of let's be exclusive or inclusive let's do everything across the board i mean honestly at this point you know there's probably going to be a lot of like brewers out there like you know go fuck yourself dude because you're you're actually in the environment most people actually dream of which is like here's the keys to a 20 barrel brew house make what you want there's no i mean sure there's pressures to make stuff that sells money we're not living in a fantasy world no, here but at the same time it's also like okay you can make that cream ale you can make that but you can also make a hazy ipa you can make a mm-hmm. you know who you have a 20 barrel brew house and what two fooders um two you know 10 what I mean? barrel fooders <laughs> yeah. yeah so like how do you go mindset wise from working at Fagley's to where 
you just had your first beer come out, to working at Trojan, which I assume was just, hey, make this beer over and over again. Oh, yeah, perpetual IPA. Yeah. <laughs> 20 <laughs> times a week. To now where it's like, okay, you run the show. You drive the bus here. You know what I mean? Like, that has to be a huge adjustment. I mean, along with every other adjustment, it has to yes. be the biggest adjustment. Yeah, I, I'm still adjusting. I mean, a lot of other brewers and homebrewers know that the more times you brew a single beer, the better you get. When I'm, you know, put with the task of brewing all these different styles... I'm brewing everything less frequently, mm-hmm. so it's taken me a little more time to dial all this in, and at the same time, you know, it's, it's a constant learning process, um, but like I said, I can't complain. I have the keys to a brew house where I'm fairly confident as long as I do a lot of research and thinking, I can put a recipe up there, and it will at least come in within the style category. You yeah. know, there's going to be things here and there that are off, but you know, we have the ability to step mash, which already gives me a big leg up if I'm going to brew certain styles. So as long as I, you know, I mean, I'll spend hours writing recipes, throw it in the garbage, spend a couple more hours thinking about it, you know, maybe asking some people, hey, what do you think of this? Or what did you do with, you know, this hop? Or, um, so, you know, I am young and I know that <laughs> and I have to compensate for that. So, you know, where other brewers might be able to just look in their grain room and go, ah, yeah, grab some of that. You know, I have to spend hours researching, thinking, trial and error from 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 the materials point of uh, angle of things what's that like too like to be a new brewery and be that big and be like hey sure you worked at Trogues, you worked at mm-hmm. Fegley's you did have some connections but to be like yeah I want this amount of green this amount of hops and yeah we've never ordered before we need it tomorrow that in itself has to be a crazy hurdle to try to cross because or is it just not that difficult anymore it wasn't too bad. I mean, no. it was for me. It was a little more difficult because I've never been in that role. Yeah, it's always been like, here's it your grain, there. here's yeah. your hops, yeah. here's your recipe, do it. Now it's not only are you brewing it, you're also ordering it, managing you know relationships with these suppliers, you know, talking with the owners, helping, you know, get things up and going, you know, trying to find another brewer at that point. Um, I just had my buddy who just graduated college. He was just a great helping hand for the first few brews. Um, <laughs> you know, I actually said it. I'm like, I just need someone here who almost who doesn't really know what's going on because I just need like, them. Pick to, that up, move that over there. Yeah, and, and not even in like a mean way. It was just yeah. like I just needed another set of hands so that while I'm sitting yeah. there trying to just make sense of this all, they can just help me out. So, well, opening day was when August, September of last year. We opened September 30th. September 30th. So we're talking about we're, you know, in the middle of June 2018, so we're coming up in a year. How long were you here kind of flying solo? Uh, Not that long, actually. We hired Logan, and he actually bartended for our opening weekend. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that. So he was here, and then I think a couple weeks later he started. He started in mid to late October. Okay. So I had about a solid month where it was me and that. No, we weren't. We just opened, so... My friend helped me get the first eight beers in the tank. I had a little bit of a lull, so it wasn't awful, but it was still just as, you know, I had to figure out what the next move was. So. Um, and what was that uh, first six to, tw- six to eight months like? Coming in now, like, as far as growing within yourself? Because it's a vacation community up here. You're in Wampal Pack. Yeah. I mean, you, you get probably a surge in the middle of winter for some weird snow sportsy stuff. But other than that, I mean, you opened, like, literally when everybody left here yes. to go home for the winter. So 
it was great and it was awful at the same time. Um, what was great was, you know, and not just for me, but for the staff too, we weren't hammered every weekend since opening, like if we would have opened in the summer. Or that's not great for maybe, you know, an income standpoint for the but business. But it lets you it, grow within yourself. It, it gave us that cushion, like I was yeah. talking about earlier, to figure things out, um, you know, and, and start to learn the trends. And actually, it was great because we got to know the locals who are honestly going to be the ones that support us mm-hmm. year-round. A lot of the vacationers were gone at that point. So yeah. we really started learning with the locals. Right now, I'm just learning what these <laughs> out-of-towners want. You know what I mean? Yeah. This whole plan we have working could flip on its head this summer. So we'll see. But that's got to be, I mean, you talk about the out-of-towners not really knowing what you want. It's almost like a perfect timing uh, thing for you because we're, uh, where we are in Lake Wampompak, uh, you're probably talking, I would say, 80% New York City. And then, mm-hmm. you know, drips of Boston, drips of Philly in here. Mm-hmm. New York City has blown up over the past five years as far as craft beer goes. I mean, five years ago, it was pretty, I wouldn't say desolate, but it wasn't like it is today. So. Huh. Uh, you have people coming from the city going, hey, I love, you know, Brooklyn Brewery, Bronx Brewery, uh, you know, other half or whoever it is. Or I go to, you know, you know, Blind Tiger. I go to this brewery, place. All these people that normally would have came in and be like, you have Stella. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and now they want to try different things. It has to be kind of like, OK, now I get to it's easier to talk to these people about beer. Well, it is. I mean, we brewed some things in the fall that, you know, the locals really didn't quite take to like a goes uh, double IPA. Um, and now, you know, we're seeing those things f- sell a lot faster. And I think that's due to these people coming from other markets that are totally used to that. You know, a lot of those New York people, other half all day long, you know, Equilibrium, all those yeah. breweries on the way here, uh, you know, and they're happy now that they're in town. I hear it all the time. Like, we're so glad a brewery's here because for years, you know, you were at the mercy of the beer store and whatever yeah. they had. And who knows how long it was there. Yeah. 30 so, racks. Yeah. Of hot garbage unless it's Jenny cream that's exactly delicious. no that's a whole nother story <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk about the cream of course cream ale cream ale is your staple beer right yes that is our staple beer at the brewery uh you know it was the best-selling beer up until this week now <clears throat> our largemouth ipa surpassed it but oh. it, it's still going strong and stronger every week you mean uh, not total sales just average per week no total barrels sold since we opened cream ale is number two Largemouth took it, overtook it in that shorter period of time because yes. it hasn't been on all that long. Yes, that beer exploded really? for us. Yes, really. Yes. Okay. Um, like, so you go in, rewind a little bit. You go yes. into, you know, kind of getting your feet underneath you. Mm-hmm. It's a bit slower. You come in, um, you know, the snow starts to melt. You come in in the spring. That's kind of where I see you guys started hitting, hitting your stride as far as, okay, you know, you had your, your fooders, you tried a couple different beers beer-wise. But at that point, you started to open up your, your recipe book. Mm-hmm. You started to open up, starting to do a little bit of collabs with random breweries around, whether it be the Bomb Place or you just did a collab with everybody down there, mm-hmm. Lehigh Valley as far as the Pilsner goes, and started to open up and be a little bit more kind of open and creative. And then... Was that kind of like, okay, well now we feel comfortable and we're moving forward? Or is it more like, okay, let's hit the ground running and just show people what the fuck we got, regardless of us feeling comfortable? No, I mean, I think that was us starting to feel comfortable because we had all winter to kind of get our, our bearings straight and get our feet. Um, you know, we were brewing, I mean, you were here from since opening. I mean, mm-hmm. We were brewing Cremel, we were brewing Amber Lager, we were brewing, 
you know, a West Coast pale ale mm-hmm. with nugget hops. Like we were brewing very safe beers, but that was letting us get to know our equipment yeah. and get comfortable and, you know, um, just build up some confidence. So, you know, we knew spring was rolling around and we were like, let's get going. Let's start brewing, you know, the stuff that we know these people are going to want this summer. We didn't want them to walk into this humongous facility and, you know, not be just as excited about the beer when they walk out. So, and, uh, you know, Memorial day was, this is June, beginning of June end of June, actually, uh, you talk about a month ago, Memorial day comes in. That's when this area kind of takes off. How, how, like ever since then, since Memorial day took off kind of right about that time, you guys actually transitioned from even doing more beers to actually doing canning. Mm-hmm. It, it, like you're going at it full force. Like how's, how's that working? Like you're just like each step you take, you don't go, okay, let's see how this works. You're going, okay, we're here. Let's keep going. Mm-hmm. And you keep taking a step up and step up and try different, different things. You told me about you're actually racking stuff in the barrels and you're putting stuff in cans and you're starting, you're not, there's, there's being cautious and there's being uh, cautiously optimistic. I don't even know what the word would be, but you're, you're not resting on your laurels. You're going full force ahead. How much is that by design? How much is that just like, we have to do this because we need to stay. We need to get to that level. We need to make a name for ourselves. We need to have people know us. We can't just sit here and just meander away and let people be like, oh, it's just wall and pop. No, I mean, a lot of that is by design. I mean, we have a very aggressive plan. We have a big brewery, meaning we also have a big brewery to, you know, start paying down. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, it is a business. You know, we're here to do that. And we want to really get our name out there. And even for things just like a cream ale, but, you know, I have, what, we have 32 oak barrels filled, and that was today we were figuring out logistically we're going to get all those, you know, bottled and ready to go starting in September. We're going to do a release every month of barrel beer. Um, We're ramping up canning runs. Now we're going to be canning once to twice a month, Um, and that is by design. We know we have a huge crowd coming in the next couple weeks, you know, 4th of July. That really starts the nuts season up here. Yeah. So we want these people to get used to this because every year it's going to be like, boom, cans, bottle releases. Um, and we're hoping that, you know, the outside markets take notice and because we're more of a destination brewery per se. So, and I mean, that helps, you know what I mean? Destination brewery, you have a couple of different places kind of not super close, but close enough to where mm-hmm. it's kind of on the, on the track of what people are doing out here beer wise. I mean, it's going to be a while since somebody your your size or your you know your type of brewery kind of opens in the area. And we talked about you kind of opening here, bef- essentially before anybody did. Sure, there was places that were here before you, but they're you know three five barrel brew houses, yeah. much much different ilk. Um, do you ever look towards the future and be like? about how you'll be like, you know, in the distant future when you're a grand old age of 30, and you're like, I'm the granddaddy of, of, of brewers in, in, in the uh, Wall and Paul Pack area, you know what I mean, when you're old and gray, 30, 31 years old. You know, I honestly haven't had much time to think about that. I'm just trying to get <laughs> through every day. I'm just trying to bust day. your ass that you're yeah, no, I haven't. I really don't think that far, not that far ahead, but, you know. Well, let's, it's, well, it's kind of, yeah. Let's go there. What are you thinking about? Like, where are you at? Like, you know what I mean? You're doing so many different things from your base beers, your clean beers, your, your, you know, your clear filtered beers to your hazy stuff to the, to the barrel stuff to the fooder stuff. Like, where's your mind at? Or is it just 
like well, where my mind's at i'm i'm just trying to get the foundation set up so what i'd like to do is you know get us a really solid core setup you know with a few a couple flagships we don't want to go crazy we don't want to really nail ourselves into you know like eight or nine beers i'm talking two or three um and then a few seasonals that we can count on every year and i want to train up you know a good staff so that i can kind of start messing around more with these things that you know people are looking for barrel beer um, we have a pilot system that we're setting up right now so that we can start experimenting with stuff um you know how big is that it's a one and a half barrel pilot system uh, welded out of 55 gallon steel drums. There you go. Hey, it, we can still do everything we can do on the big <clears throat> brew house on it. So it, it, it works for us. Um, what are you going to make stuff on there and then firking it out and then decide whether you're going to ramp it up and like go like crazy with it or are you just, yeah, I mean, it, that, that's kind of the goal or, you know, one way we were looking at it. I mean, it's small and we can pretty much throw the nines at it. So for those people looking for that crazy adjunct stout, <laughs> you know, we're on a 20 barrel scale. It's tough. But now I have this one and a half barrel pilot system. I can just throw one up on there, put whatever we need in it, and throw it on tap, and you know move on and you know make them happy, and keep focused on cranking out cream ale, <laughs> large mouth, and you know other lagers. So, what um. So you just did a collaboration with a bunch of the guys from yes. out and about the area. Yeah, it was originally what was it? Um, victories. Um, yeah, so it was originally uh, Southeast Pennsylvania breweries, like the bigger guys, Victory, Trogues, mm -hmm. Yards. Every year they brew a collab for Philly Beer Week, and they tap it at Philly Beer Week. And they've been adding a brewery every year, but since they started this, I believe, nine years ago. It's gotten too big. <laughs> you know, there was probably 50, 60 breweries in Pennsylvania then, if that. Now there's, we're, you know, we're one of the largest producers in the country. So this year... I believe John Trogner headed it up. I think they all unanimously agreed to invite everybody to be a part of the celebration. Not to collaborate, but to just be there, be part of the meeting, be part of the tradition. And they encouraged us to go off into our respective territories and, and you know do the same, collaborate with our local other breweries and come up with something awesome and have a good time doing it. So. And who'd you guys end up collaborating with? You ended up doing a, a, like, I'm gonna have a little dry hot pills there, right? Yeah, so... Um, <clears throat> They did a dry hot pilsner, a little different than ours, uh, but we collaborated with Weyerbacher, Funk, Two Rivers, Lost Tavern, and Yergi Brewing. I believe I have everybody there. And we threw up... Don't uh, forget Bon. He didn't come. Oh, no. Sam didn't oh, show up. He was busy. He has a lot going on, man. No, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a, a busy, busy guy. He's the busiest dude I know in beer. I believe he was boiling a watermelon kettle sour that day or something. Of course so, he was. Yeah. Um, he's going to be on the next one. We have something in the works. So it yeah, was, there he was like, all right, we'll, we'll get it next time. Um, but we threw up a pretty classic German pills. Um, nothing fancy, you know, in, in the boil, it was pretty old school hops, herbs, Rucker and German spalt. But then we brought in whole melon and mandarina hops to kind of bring it to that more modern age. And then we dry hopped it. And then you brewed it here, correct? We brewed it here. So everybody made the trek up. Well, that, and that's some kind of thing I was trying to say to kind of bring it back home. You had all these people that you kind of crossed paths with in life mm -hmm. that were either, you know, worked with you, above you, whatever you want to call it, in the, you know, down in Lehigh Valley. And they all come up here and brew with you. It's got to be kind of a kick. It was kind awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I was beside myself. It was just so cool because all these years, these have been the guys that are, 
you know, giving yeah. me advice, helping me, <laughs> training me, or just, you know, we're just working different breweries, same area, just chatting, hanging out. Um, and now they're up here and it's, you know, our place and they're brewing with us. And it's, you know, it was, it was cool. And it was a Pilsner, which I love brewing lagers, as you know. So <laughs> it just kind of all fit together real nicely. Um, you mentioned right when we started that um, when you started working at, uh, at Fegley's, uh, you know, you wanted to work there and you're like, uh, your father drank the amber lager, I oh, think is what yeah. you said. What's it like, like for him to drink a beer at a brewery? Yes. And then you eventually worked there and ended up like working in the brewing industry to get to the point where now you're making beer that hopefully he's drinking. I assume. Oh yeah. He loves our Amber lager. He, uh, that's one of his new favorites. Um, no, it's been cool. Uh, he was kind of my inspiration for being interested in beer. Um, he, when I was young, I mean, he was drinking Basque in his, you know, the old staples, you know, the, you know, the imports back when imports were a thing. And I always used to see those in Yingling, obviously. Um, and it's been cool because each brewery I've gone to, I, I think I've gotten my dad to like some of the beers that I've made at each place. And now here he is. I think he, he's a little more open to craft beers. I got him hooked on cream ale right now, which I never thought. He's never <laughs> been a light beer drinker. He's always been amber ale, amber lager, stout, porter. So it, it's been really cool. And I think I don't think he's disappointed with my career path. You, it's weird because I came here originally. It was probably about like about three, four weeks before you opened. I'm coming out, hanging out, and uh, drink a couple of beers, and and um, <clears throat> and we ended up. Uh, oh yeah, baby, he's trying to hand me a cream ale. Like I'm gonna refuse. <laughs> um, and ended up taking some video there. I wanted to do pretty much what we're doing now in that portion, but it just it, it just didn't land. Um, Oh, I lost my train of thought there, by the way. Sorry. That's cream ale does that. <laughs> Cheers. Too, <by> <laughs> so, like, coming in there, like, you know, ended up talking to the owners and about how they kind of envision the brewery kind of moving forward as far as, you know, that side of the house versus this side of the house. It's, it's very much a new age brew pub. If mm-hmm. you think about it, as far as, like, because when I grew up in beer... It was it was very much the old school sticky brew pub, which made your water down, you know what I mean, four different beers, and then gave you bar fare, and then that was that. But here you have, you know what I mean, a kitchen with like approachable but high end food. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what I believe to be really good beer, it's like almost like a morphed kind of mutant version of the old school brew pub, like. And it's not common. You don't see a lot of that nowadays. You see someone either opening, again, a little kind of weird sticky brew pub like the old school or just a big kind of brewery or a little tap room that has a little, you know, food truck outside that sells yeah. tacos and bean burritos. What's it like to evolve when you have to deal with both the front and the back of the house? Do you have to, like, work with the chef as far as, like, the food that's being produced? Is it all connective? Is it separate? Like, how's it all, like, yeah. work? We're finally getting to that point. Um, you know, our, our new chef, Larry, he's got a, he just revamped the whole menu. It's a lot more focused on beer and it's a lot more focused on local food. So, I mean, we're even doing stuff like we're making beer can chicken with the cream ale. And I saw the picture the other day. I was yeah. so like, Oh yeah, baby. It's so good. It's on the nachos and it's in tacos. 
Um, so he's really gung-ho on getting the beer and the food, and that's been a great collaborative effort between the two of us now, like going back and forth, and, you know, we're creating food pairing menu, beer pairing, and he's just really trying to go for it, so. And, like, even you said, like, earlier about, like, expanding and moving from where where you've been um, here beer-wise, talking about, like, you know, kind of reaching deeper into Pennsylvania distribution-wise and, and touching New York. You guys actually started doing that. And like, you have beers kind of, you know, on draft at random places in and mm-hmm. around the area, whether it be in Stroudsburg or out in a, um, you know, the Yankee Stadium up there in Scranton and stuff like that. But you guys actually started looking at distribution, starting getting into lower New York and stuff like that. Like, how's that? Is that ahead of schedule or, or like, right where you guys thought it would be? Like, it's kind of like, you know, r- really ambitious being it is. less than a year in, you're already starting to kind of touch into different regions. It is. Um, but when you start a brewery of this size, I mean, a, we have a pretty sizable brew pub, you know, like 100 seats. Yeah. But, you know, you can all, you max out, like, thousand barrels through that brew pub you know that's that's a brew a week only one brew a week so you really have to be smart about it and plan accordingly so we don't really have a we have a choice um but we're what we've decided to do is self-distribute to a lot of the local counties we're not going to give those up um and we're looking over to new york where actually a lot of our transient crowd lives and we're setting up distribution over there. We're pretty much right on target. We're hoping to have it all set up by August. Um, that way, when they're all starting to head home, our beers oh, look. right home yeah. on draft at their local pubs and at their beer distributors and, you know, with the cans. Um, definitely more ambitious than the traditional brewery plan. I mean, you'll hear a lot of guys, you know, ride home like, don't go to distribution, don't go. I mean, we're at that scale where... It's, it's, it's not going to hurt us. It's helping, actually helping us turn beer faster so that we can keep it fresh for our customers. You know, if I had to wait on a 20-barrel batch in this pub, yeah. it'd be sitting around for a Most while. Most people are worried about their beer sitting on a shelf and not turning over, whereas more times than not, that, that some things will sit yeah. every now and then you have that, but more times than not, you're looking at the opposite. You need to get it out. You need to turn it over, mm-hmm. and you're not pushing out too much to where you're saturating the market no. to the point where you guys are pretty much okay. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, it's just the bordering counties. It's nothing out of our reach. It's actually easier to go over there than it might be to go, say, to Harrisburg or to Philly. Yeah. You know, those are a lot closer. An hour, not even an hour, 45 minutes, I think New York State is from the brewery. So um, it, it, it's, it's going to help us. And we're hoping that that also drives business in the tap room, you know, those people coming in. Now, on the other end of the spectrum. Yes. As a brewery that does do... The Pilsners, the Loggers, has a a larger spot that has food. How has it been for you guys, or how how do I word this? With the Uber beer geek guy, the the local like beer nerd, sticker can, wait in line, Hayes bro, like how how has it been for you? Uh, kind of at least getting those people in here let alone just even getting those people to want to come here because there almost seems like you have to be like 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 manufactured rarity in or or rarity to begin with i'm not saying everything's manufactured rarity in order for something to even say it's good not necessarily even if the beer is good it has to be something that people just deem as rare or as inclusive 
how is that? How do you work that angle where you're working with that? Because you want those people here. Because they're 90% of the time, they're the Instagrammer, they're, well, the, yeah. the, they're the Yelper, they're the untapter. That's going to really go out of their way. You get stuff. It's got to be kind of frustrating to have to deal with those people because most people walk in there and they probably go, oh, this is just a big, you know, whatever, corporate level. You're not. You're not a corporate level. No. You're home-owned, home-operated. The people that uh, help build this business are right from down the street. They mm -hmm. own a local company, so it's not like you're working for this kind of, like, weird, dodgy, like, we're side edge of the AB and Bev trying to open a weird craft thing. How do you deal – or – how do you deal with that? Or you just let them just do your best, keep your head down and just. No, I mean, the, the biggest thing is just getting them in the door. Yeah. You know, I, I'm pretty confident that if we get them in the door, we'll make them happy. Uh, you know, we have that image though, from the outside, like you were saying, we're this big brewery. You're shiny. And we have. Not dirty and filthy. Even no. though a lot of those smaller breweries have ended up building monoliths of shininess, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, Tired Hands is like three locations now. So, <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, we we have to try really hard to, you know, we have to promote those beers too, like our, you know, our Big Dippin' and stuff and our, our Hazy Beer. I think we, we finally have a, a new creative director who's been a big help with that. Uh, we saw a lot more people turn out for the, this latest can release because I think just promoting the fact that we have cans was big. Like, I, I don't think a lot of these... Really? That's weird. Actually promoting something and it works? That's Who that's would weird. think? Who would think? That's like, so weird, crazy. Dude. <laughs> I think a lot of people just didn't even know what we were doing out here. I thought they just thought, oh, brewery by the lake. Yeah. Whatever. It's just far enough to be annoying, <laughs> but not close enough to be like right down the street. You have to make a beer called just far enough to be annoying. You know that, right? <laughs> I'll do it. Don't, don't tempt me. <laughs> I'll get you all that. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, but... You know, I, you've seen it. I'm, I'm fairly semi-active on, you know, the local beer lovers group. I try and keep them updated on what we're doing. That's you know, a lot of those guys do come out, you know, they'll ride their bike out for the day or take the drive. And they seem to be happy when they're here because they can get yeah. beer for $4 pint or, you know, a four pack for $14, $13. And they can get a, a great meal. And I think a lot it of... It goes beyond. It goes beyond cheap price and yeah, no, food. I, yeah, I'm yeah. A, and good beer. I'm yeah. not just saying yeah. it because it's affordable, but I mean, it's polar opposite of what a lot of them are used to. Yeah. There's not a big line to get in. It, it's, you're getting served. Like, people are talking to you. It's the full experience. Yeah. Not saying other places don't do that. I'm just saying a lot of these guys are, and girls. Because there has to be a good yeah. portion of people that pull. There probably are some in those groups that you speak of that pull up and go, there's no line. Do we even want to go in this place? Like, I mean, people think it's weird if, if there isn't almost, you know, like yeah. we release cans and there's not a line out the door. They're like, do, do we, do we want it? It's well, yeah, come on in, <laughs> like, have a seat. <laughs> and it's tasty. It's yeah. just, you know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's gotta be, honestly, to me, that's probably in my eyes, it would probably irk me to the nth degree and be one of the most frustrating things I would have to deal with. Like at the point where I just shake violently and want to choke. Oh, people. it, 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 it's definitely frustrating, but at the end of the day, I'm happy when those people come through and, you know, we'll take care of them, make them happy. Uh, but, you know, they they keep us busy, but a lot of our locals, you know, they're in here drinking a few pints a day. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think it's nice to cater to both, but at the end of the day, like, we're moving pints and we're going to do our best to cater to that group, you know, make 
the beers they want to drink and try and make it accessible to them. I mean, we're even, we, we're dropping cans at Sabatini's just because I know that that's closer to them. You know, I want, yeah. to, I'd love to have them in the brewery, but at the end of the day, I, I just want it in their hands. Yeah. So um, if we have to do that, we'll do that. What, um, so we're talking about right now, this is going to air actually tomorrow. So, cool. Um, we're talking about the 20th of, I think it's 20th of June. Um, immediately moving forward over the next couple months, is there anything specific you talked about having a bit more cam releases, a bit more bottle releases? Is there anything specific moving forward that people would be like, okay, that's a reason beyond the beer, which is why you should come here. Beyond the beer, why they should come here. Like whether it be like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, we just revamped our food. It, it's Our food right now is awesome. So if, if you're coming out for the day, you can get a great meal. Um, Beer-wise, let me look at the calendars right next to us here. I mean, we have... It's like beautiful mind up there right now. I don't even know oh what I'm looking God, at. Oh, my God. I know. That's how my brain works. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of scary. Um, I mean, we're, we're doing a couple more hoppy beer, hop projects, uh, I think we're calling it. And we're dropping those in cans, on uh, sprinkling them into the next couple of releases. We have some more Lake Haze action going on the next couple of releases. Um, you know, we're canning our largemouth IPA, which, like we were talking about earlier, that's taken off. Yeah. So that'll be next week. Largemouth IPA and Lake Haze can release um, next Friday of those two. And some uh, cream ale for 4th of July. we got some yeah. American flag labels, Merca on the bottom of the oh, can. America can. America cans. Yeah, <laughs> so, That's what I'm talking um, about. Cream ale. Fuck the world. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Doesn't get any more American than cream ale. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think... What you're going to see over the next couple of months is the tap room is beers that more people are excited about. Um, we're going to focus more on just making, you know, I'm not talking just hazy juice bombs. I'm talking, uh, what else we got coming up? Um, we're doing a Kolsch. Oh, yeah, baby. We got these cool new hops in. They're called uh, American Noble Hops. They're taking like those dank, juicy, beautiful hops and they're making them low this is like has the biggest smile on his face yeah i know i'm like totally geeking out over here but they're like they strip them down and they're, they're making them like the german hops so low in alpha acids like not as harsh yeah but you can use them in those subtle beers like a kolsch now so like citra mosaic so bringing like straight up like just to, you're making a kolsch traditional style but totally. instead of using your you know your old school zazi kind of mm -hmm. like old school german hops you're going american and it's gonna yeah. work yeah, and and there it's cool that our suppliers and our the hop growers are coming up with this stuff. I mean, you know, if you were to do that a couple of years ago, it, it, I'm, some people nail it, but it's hard to work with those harsh, crazy hops and those really light beers. But now they're making it easier for us, so we're gonna play around with that. That or somebody gives it like I was at a brewery I love the other day, and, I, and they're like, "Oh, this, we actually." I went in, I sat down there like, oh, we're out of this one beer in the list. And I was like, okay. They're like, what'd you put in a place? And I'm like, oh, our Kolsch. I was like, fantastic. It was a hazy IPA. It was like literally like butternut squash soup. Oh, geez. So I'm like, it, it oh, was man. delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it was just like, not a Kolsch. Why'd you call it a Kolsch? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. We're not dry hopping it. So we'll, I just want to put that <laughs> out there too. It's, it's just a Kolsch. Just going to be with those hops that everybody knows and loves. Um, you know, we got some goes action coming up. A lot of people have been asking for that in the area. Hoping it goes over a little better this year. Um, we got to hit that in the summer. Does well, it, exactly. That's your See, summer drinker. Well, right we there, were going to open a little earlier, but 
<laughs> you know, September 30th isn't the best day to drop a goes. No. Lesson learned. <laughs> Hindsight 2020. Um, so we got that going on. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm working on a collaboration with a, a local pizza shop, actually, 403 Broad over in Milford. Okay. Great tap list, by the way. If you've never been there, highly recommend it. Uh, like scratch handmade Italian food and pizzas and then craft beer from all over the Northeast. Um, so we're going to be whipping up an IPL. Oh, okay. And, you know, we're going to have some fun with that. And we're going to drop it in cans and draft at both places. So that'll be fun. Pizza and lagers, baby. Pizza and lagers. You, you can't go wrong. No, you can't. <laughs> um, how do people find you? Like, what are they going to do? Are they go on the internet? They go in real life? What do they do? Facebook, Instagram. We're going to be dropping a website soon. Say what? Yeah, I know. Finally. Um, and just come over. Like, just, just come to the lake for the day. There's a lot to do Close over here. Wallandpawpackbrewingcompany.com. Wall, at wallandpawpackbrewing.com. At Wall and Paw Pack Brewing Co. Brewing Co. Yeah. C-O. C-O. And then we're on Facebook. Facebook is the most up-to-date, accurate platform for us. But our Instagram's getting pretty awesome now that we have the uh, uh, creative director. She's been doing a great job of keeping everybody updated lately. And if you want to find them, basically what you do is you go into Googs. We all know the Googs. You type in Wall and Paw Pack. Then when when it brings up that big-ass lake, you look at the northern tip of that lake, and you drive to the northern tip of your lake, you open your window... You smell that, that, that nice, beautiful, either hop or malty kind of steamy beautifulness on a brew day, and you just pull on in. Um, it used to be the site of an old, dilapidated Arby's. So if you know that place, if you've been to <laughs> Wall Fall you'll know where you're going. It's right across from a supermarket close to a gun range. I mean, but we're in Northeast PA, so that's pretty much a dime a dozen. Um, and, uh, yeah, CJ, thank you very much, brother. Thank you. I appreciate Thanks for coming out, now. man. I appreciate it. Chugging some beers. Having a good time. So yeah. check them out. Um, Wall and Pop Pack Brewing Company, uh, Holly PA. And uh, come by. Uh, go there for the Contact High Hazy Low ABV uh, Pale Ale. It's a Pale Ale, not an IPA. Correct. Right? Yeah. Pale Ale, but stay for the Kolsch, the future Kolsch. Yes. That'll be um, dry, uh, not dry hot, but brewed with American Noble Humps. Yes. That's what you stay for. That's what it's all about. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys.